Okay. Okay. Say say again what you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So we were talking about we were talking about a lot of things. We were talking about sales and about how there is this universal hesitancy to make a sale and to to almost have like this guilt or feel you know among amongst coaches but like with a lot of people mm-hmm. to feel like there's this like sleaziness mm-hmm. or like I'm using people mm-hmm. if I'm doing sales mm-hmm. and and I mean I have certainly been guilty about this how, do you remember how we first first started talking about this like what was I saying I believe it was that you were sharing about a client of yours that you were um, talking to them about a program. Oh, that's right. That we were talking about how you don't like selling in the middle of your programs because you feel like it's really important to you to just give them all high quality information, all for their needs, not focus on what you need. Right. right. And that and those two motivations can conflict. So it's better for right. you just to focus right. on giving versus right. taking during those times. And, and, and any people that I bring on externally, it's not going to be because I'm not coming from the mindset of, oh, hey, I want to be an affiliate for them. Right. Or, man, this is going to help me grow my email list. But the bottom line question is, what is best for the people that are in my program that I'm serving? Right. It's like looking out for them absolutely first. And then so. Yeah, when I have been in sales conversations, and you were saying this is just about universal, I have had this feeling of like, oh, you know, when I ask for the this or, or I it concern that, hey, am I using this person or am I going to be seen as only wanting to make a sale? Right. You know, or something like that. Where Right. And we were talking about how universal it is that most of yes. the clients that I've had yes. as a business coach or consultant. Yeah. Down the board, they all had the same experience that they felt difficult selling yeah. something that they believe they even believed themselves had a lot of value. And the other person felt like if they had it, it was very valuable. They right. still felt like they were either using the person they were selling to, they were right. sleazy by selling to them. Right. Or that for some reason they felt like they had to discount what they had or the price and what they had because they felt for some reason that the other person wouldn't value it as much. I know those. And then it also happened during pricing as well. Like people had a hard time pricing down the board because they always priced low for some reason because they somehow felt like if they priced higher, they, they felt different feelings about that, either guilty or they felt like hesitant because they felt like people wouldn't see the value, et cetera. Right. I wanted to ask you this and, question. And, and you want it to be great value. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you this question. Yeah. And this is one thing I wanted to bring up today was about metaphors. Right. The power of metaphors. What other industry is there an individual who charges a massive amount of money? Right. And they are so confident in the value of what they offer that they don't chase clients, clients come and chase them. Right. The one metaphor that got me, that that reminded me of that, that once I started taking on that almost persona of this type of person, all of a sudden my hesitancy started to go away about selling to people. Yeah. Because it's almost like I had a position of authority that added to the value of what I had to offer. And the, the, the one group was doctors. 
I was about to say that. Yeah. Doctors, because doctors, you don't see a doctor going out and knocking on your door trying to get your business. Right. You're coming to them, right? You're, you're, you're finding them, you're searching for them, and they well, have their office and everyone's coming to them. And I think because of that, then there's less of a feeling amongst the public and amongst doctors that what they're doing is sleazy or either they're using people. Yeah. Exactly. And what's interesting is now the environment now reinforces that. Like you were just saying, in society, people say, oh, no, doctors are people of authority. They're worth uh, what, what they charge, even though they're charging hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, they're right. specialists. So so right. I've got to go find them. And and I've got to go in there with with my, right. you know, my asking for help as the client and customer. Then why don't we have that same spirit when we're helping people totally. with some of these other things? See, and actually, not that I 100% embody this, but this is actually what I teach. And I was just having a conversation with somebody, I, get, I think it was last week, who is a coach and saying, yeah, when you do sales, you want to adopt the attitude of a doctor, right. that you're here to consult, to diagnose, and to make a recommendation. Now, and, okay, and, yeah. And then she, you know, she was say, like, we were saying what you don't want is this is like, okay, well, tell me what you got. Why should I do this? And the attitude is kind of like, I'm going to sit back with my arms crossed and I want you to talk and convince me that I should do your program. Right. That's exactly the opposite, opposite. of what you want. What I said was, was that's like them treating you like, you know, you get the monkey in the organ grinder. Mm -hmm. That's like them treating you like you're the dancing monkey. Okay, monkey, dance for me. Let's see what you got. Let me see if I like your dancing. And if I like it enough, I'll, I'll give you a quarter. Versus a doctor when you go there and it's like, all right, so tell me what you've got. And you got this. And have you been experiencing this? And let me, you know, move your foot this way. And does this hurt? Okay, here's what I'd recommend. Here's what I recommend for you. We're going to do this. And we're going to do this. And, and then you're like, okay, okay, doctor. And see how that the power dynamic is different. Really? The, the authority. And even in the mind of the person. And then when you send them the bill, they don't, they, it's not like they're fighting you on the bill. They just know they got to pay oh. it. I, yeah, and they well, and they might say, "Oh my gosh, this is so much," but, but they're, they're still going to pay it, right? <laughs> but they're going to pay it, right? They're, you're right. They're, they don't have the attitude of this dude's ripping me off. It's more just like, "Oh man, medicine is healthcare's gotten out of control." Exactly. Now it's 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 a the doctor is just part of the entire industry and system versus the doctor himself. Oh, I don't like him. Let me find somebody cheaper. People don't even go after cheaper doctors. It's like a rarity that oh, let me find a cheaper doctor. People don't important. even think that way. Well, so, see, yeah. yeah. No, so I was going to yeah. say my, my question is this. Then how can you take the metaphor of a doctor? Right. And take on that metaphor now in your life yes. and yes. start even thinking, using that metaphor as how you um, define yourself and what you do. Right. So that now you can feel differently yeah. about what you offer. Yeah. So that it conveys this power differential, this different power structure and authority to the people you're working with. So that two things happen. Number one, that you are attracting people who respect that power and that value that you have to offer right. because you'll filter out the ones who don't and then you'll attract the ones who do. Right. Right. Just by creating that kind of environment because yeah, of the way you, that you want think. to have the conversation with those people who are stuck in the organ grinder mentality. Yeah, exactly. Because for you, it, it's funny. You even you even get offended if people would. You're going to come to me with, with, with what you're 
I'm sorry. I, there must have been a mistake here. Maybe we got our wires crossed, but this is not I, a good fit. You know, go to McDonald's, go to Walmart, go to somebody else. You can like get something cheap right. from. This right. is the wrong place. It's, right. it's even comes off that way. Right. And you would attract the tendency is to attract individuals who respect that and actually can work within that. Yep. Right. And those people tend to be higher paying people, people who value what you have to offer in a big way. So that those was the people going to follow through too. Exactly. That that's number one. You get yeah. higher caliber people because of the environment that you're creating. Number yeah. two is you yourself are feeling or, or believing in the value of what you have to offer. So that automatically means that you're going to be charging higher prices for what you have to offer. Well, and again, like a doctor, because you don't have doctors going. Oh, you know, when it comes time to make a diagnosis, I feel really guilty because I don't want to charge this person too much money. And I know that exactly. medicine or surgery is expensive, but they, they don't have that. They're just like, here's what you got. Here's what you need. Exactly. It doesn't even cross their mind. Yeah. So, so how can we take a metaphor, internalize that metaphor and start uh, actually allowing the 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 beliefs to change so that your feelings would change so that now you can start operating that way. And let me give an example real quick and then I, I want to ask you ask you the same idea about well, something there are else. stories I want to tell you yeah, real okay, quick. Okay, great. Yeah, let me let me share this quick um, yeah, example yeah. from my life. When I started doing that that as a consultant, a business consultant, I am the doctor. Mm-hmm. Guess what I stopped doing? I stopped chasing after people. I remember making a, I even made a rule. I will only call a client, a potential client once. If they don't call me back, they don't return my phone call. That's it. They're done. Wow. I literally, and I would say, and you know, of course the, in the background before I took that attitude was the fear. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to get enough customers. Guess what happened? I started getting some of the most high level customers you can imagine because I didn't spend time chasing anyone. Like if, if there was somebody I had to chase them, they didn't see the value I wasn't even going to call them and, uh, as a potential client, but I said, okay, at least I'll do it once. I get mm-hmm. a referral. I'll call them once. If they don't call that. And so what happened, I started creating an environment where I started filtering out the people who didn't see what I had to offer was valuable. And then I would fill my, my, my uh, database with potential clients and clients and referrals of people who saw the incredible value. I worked a substantial amount less. I made a whole lot more money. And the entire process was incredibly enjoyable because they were a good fit now for this new way of thinking that I had. But it all came from a metaphor that I am a doctor and what I do. I love how you're saying you didn't I'm chase. a specialist. Exactly. And, and by me taking on that metaphor, it made it easier for me to say no. And also, too, it made me more picky of the kind of clients I was going to take on as well. And I fired a ton of a bunch of clients. I only took on specific clients. And over a period of time, I literally went from working six days a week to working one day a week, making more money than I was making before. Wow. And that's the power of a metaphor, which I'm um, go ahead and share your stories because I want to ask you um, a question about metaphors in a second. Well, all right. So what I was thinking was, I remember years ago, I had a hernia and I went to a doctor and and he looked at it and goes, yeah, there's an umbilical hernia and here's the situation. Here are the risks if you don't have surgery. and you know, it's up to you. And I said, well, you know, what would you recommend? Well, you know, I gave you the risks and really it's, it's up to you to make a decision. And, and so he was like, you don't have to do this, but there are some risks that are involved in here, you know, and he was so completely non-needy. And then I went actually back to him like five months later and said, yeah, let's do the surgery. And 
so we did it. But I, I, I remember that attitude that he has where he he was laying out the facts, but he absolutely wasn't doing anything at all to, to convince me. And I'll tell you something. I recently saw an interview with Sam Altman, who is the CEO of OpenAI. And so and there was this, you know, the interviewer was asking questions and there was an audience that asked questions as well. And so the one person in the audience was some business person. He said, well, you know, hey, look, I've got this option in terms of who I go to with uh, artificial intelligence. And, you know, I could, why should I do open AI stuff as opposed to this other company or whatever? And that was a frame of, okay, monkey dance for me. Mm -hmm. And it was so interesting what Sam Altman's response was. He said, well, obviously you should go with whichever company provides you the best value. <laughs> and that was his answer. Matter of fact. Anything else. Yeah. Right. And I just thought, I like paused when he said that. And I was just like, what power he has when he mm -hmm. says. Mm -hmm. He was like, he just was so non-needy. And so that was an invitation to the guy's frame. And he right. was saying, no, I'm not going to go into your frame. Nice. You know? Yeah. So, so my question then is, practically, yeah. how can we take on these different mindsets that can create better outcomes for ourselves like these metaphors these personas how can we take on the how can we identify great personas that would help us to get further like like a great persona for someone who has an issue with selling isn't another salesperson yeah it's, it's a it's an because most people they like we were we we didn't mention it in this part but previously we were talking about a lot of times the reason people have a hard time selling is because they have uh, low self-esteem or they have a, a issue with their own significant self-worth. So they, they have an issue expressing to others that they have value. They feel like they almost have to convince themselves while they're convincing the other person of the value they have to offer. And we all have that, or at some point inside of us, we have that, right? Cause we live in a world that's similar to that. Um, or same thing with pricing, right? Oh, you know, I don't know if they're going to see the price of this. Let me discount it. I know it's good, but you know, maybe it's not. Or maybe for well, that, and we were talking about maybe for an individual, they might not see the value. And and you know what, too, there is a reality check here because the truth is doctors went through a lot to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. And so they earned their level of confidence. I, at least I hope they did, right? Like, like a, a surgeon, I hope they really do know. And it's not just because they do affirmations in the mirror, but based on the thousand surgeries that they've done and they've had you know, good results that they know what they know that they know what they're doing. And, you know, so, and somebody could go through a coaching program and it's like, you know, Hey, I went through this week long coaching program and they gave me this certificate. So now I'm a coach and inside they might feel as if I might feel if it's like, Hey, take this weekend workshop and you'll be able to do hernia surgeries. And well, I, I wouldn't lack confidence, but rightly so. Let, let's say let's that's so, if, and I'm, and I get it too, right? There there are two, or there's probably many more, but there are two ways of getting confidence. One is through experience, right? You go out there, you do your ten thousand hours, you, you you're a specialist, you you help a lot of people, you have a lot of experience in your in your um in your background. You've seen the results, you have proof, right? In your mind, you choose experience equals confidence, equals authority. I'm a specialist in what I do, or it could be credentials, like you went to school for this long, 
Right. And you have this credential and that automatically in your mind, you choose that that credential gives you authority and authority gives you confidence. So you can with confidence and then, then that helps you build your own self-esteem. Right. That's one way. Another way is, hey, what I have is going to do what I know it's going to do. Meaning that I've built this thing. You know, it didn't if, take if, me a lot of time. Is, if See, that is really the case, right? Right, right. For example, like what I'm saying like, is like, what is really the truth? What's right. Really- like for for example, like let's say instead of a service business, let's say a product, let's say you you accidentally uh um uh, find a, a a breakthrough medicine for um let's say to cure some major disease, right? Which 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 is and, and crazy, when I was reading that Life Force book, it talked about how when people used to throw away the, the placenta. Yeah. And the placenta was one of the biggest sources of stem cells, the most effective stem cells to help people overcome these things. Yeah. It was right. something that was a a discovery of something that was right in front of people's faces. Yeah. Right. The person didn't really have to have a lot of experience to discover that. It's just that because of their experience, they were able to discover it. Mm-hmm. But it was such a new field. It's not like a, that person had a lot of experience in that field. It was a new field. That was just a quick example. But let's say I have a product or a service that I know will totally transform this person's life. Let me give you an example. And this is mm-hmm. a perfect example. I was able to design some binoculars mm-hmm. that were normally by far the biggest market of binoculars were for hunters. Like 90% of the market was for hunters. I've told you the story before. Sure. I found out what bird watchers needed more than anything else in their bird watching. And I worked with a manufacturer to design a binocular specifically for bird watchers. Yeah. Now I'm not a bird watcher. I didn't have anything to do with bird watchers. Right. I had no experience. I didn't really have that much experience with binoculars. I just right. asked the manufacturer to see if they can create all these different things that bird watchers were demanding. Yeah. And they were able to do it and also make it lightweight as well, which made it amazing so they can carry it with them. Yeah. Okay. I knew for a fact that this product would revolutionize their experience as bird watchers. Right. Because it's giving them something that they never had before because they didn't have the tools to do it. Yeah. And okay. and you listen to them and they didn't have, you know, they, they knew what they wanted because they know their own experience, but they didn't have a binocular manufacturer. They didn't have the tools to get to do it. Right. Now, think about that. I'm not an expert bird watcher. I hardly right. even know that much about bird watching, except right. for what these people told me they needed. Right. I didn't really have that much in, you know, experience with binoculars either, except what my manufacturer knew. Right. All I do is I knew that the, exactly what they were looking for, I had. And that made me have the confidence right. that I can give you something that's going to completely blow your mind and blow your experience out of right. the water. Any experience you've ever had before. So, so remember, the first type of experience is one where you have, I mean, the first type of confidence is one where you have actually experience from doing something. The second one is when you know that the product or service you have to offer will provide and meet the needs of all these people who are desperate for what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. And you know it for a fact. For example, some of the services that you provide, you're, you're a coach. You help people make these breakthroughs in their life that transforms their life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you know for a fact that that's because it's worked in your life and it's worked in other people's lives. And you've seen of all the other people, too. Yeah. So with confidence, and and this was my experience, when I first was able to make these breakthroughs in my life, it was over like a three-day weekend. I didn't have a certificate, but you know how many people I took those those techniques that I learned and I started sharing with like 10, 20, 30, 40 people with confidence, 
because I knew that what we you, you were teaching or the person was teaching was effective and would transform the lives of these people. Yeah. So, so I'm saying all that to say, yeah. if we can define confidence and authority in a different fashion, but a fashion that won't necessarily mean that we'd have to get all this experience, mm-hmm. but define it in a way that what the value that we really will be creating and also the value of the value and the, the yeah, multiple levels of value, right? Mm-hmm. Then we can have an incredible amount of confidence and be able to say to people, hey, I know this will bring you X, Y, and Z, everything you're looking for. Therefore, I'm willing to charge you this because let me tell you, what I'm giving you is 10 times more value than what you're paying for. And I'm charging you $25,000 for it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I guess what I was kind of using the idea of metaphors for is how can we find a similar or a chunked lateral chunk of a type of industry or person and then take on that persona into ourselves and then let the feelings that come from that sort of settle in so that now we can start ex- uh, expressing that attitude and living sort of according to that persona so that we can have those better outcomes, right? Uh, a doctor was a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they came in with authority. I said, well, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. And I started acting like one. No, no, you got to come meet me at my office. Mm-hmm. I remember telling them before I'd be chasing them. No, 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 no. You come to my office. I don't have time right now. I'll see you in two weeks. Oh, but I need you sooner. I'm sorry. <laughs> they were like, okay. Right. Another example of that is bankers, right? You go in there getting a loan. Oh, oh, Mr. Banker, can I get a loan, please? You know, people come in, please, I need to, you know, help me get a loan for this and this and the other thing. The banker's like, well, we'll see. We don't think you're qualified. Mm-hmm. And that authority the banker has makes everybody come to the bank like, oh, my gosh, I need you. I'm, I'm begging for something for you to help me. Right. The banker doesn't go to your house. Yeah, sure. The banker sure. doesn't call, call like, you and kind of chase they, you down they, for your service. Authority in their arena. Exactly. Well, you know, I think... Like when we talk about confidence, a lot of people want to manufacture confidence. I think that there is some value in stepping back and detaching from the emotions and really asking yourself, what is really the truth as best I'm able to determine? Because even though, you know, you didn't have a lot of experience in selling binoculars to bird watchers. You were able to look at it objectively and say, what's really the truth? These bird watchers want this. Nobody else is giving it to them. I'm giving them exactly what they want. Why wouldn't this be a steal? And it's just like looking at things really objectively versus a lot of a lot of people, a lot of coaches might lack confidence, but then that that may just be coming from a place of recognizing their own lack of skills. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and I remember and you said that earlier. For some of them, at least. I'm not saying for all of them. Right, but for right, right. Them. And then you can look at that and say, and just really objectively say, what is it that people want? What do they need? What am I really legitimately able to do? And then let me just look at this objectively. And then there is going to be stuff from childhood that holds you back. But then you look at that and you say, if that's the case, then I'm not denying reality and I'm not hurting people by taking care of that i'm more aligning myself with what is that i mean yeah. that would be i think that'd be great i mean it, it makes sense right because at least yeah. you 
the only one thing I wanted to add to that was this. I mean, you've seen people that haven't had a lot of skills charge some major money for things. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about that. They're these really highly specialized people, but they're charging very little. Remember that? We were talking mm-hmm. about that earlier. Yeah, 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 and that yeah. some of their the people that they've coached or trained who have less skills than they do are charging a whole lot more. Yeah. Well, in in the case that that we talked about, these students they still have skills. They may not have skills as as maybe to the degree of the master that they learn from, but I wouldn't say that they're ripping people. And in the examples that we looked at, they're not ripping people off. Now, that's what I wanted to talk to you about is that they, idea. They really are facing reality. I think a lot of individuals are afraid of this concept of giving people that that the person that they're working with does not see the value of what they have to offer so that they feel like they're ripping them off. Like it's a moral yeah. issue to them. And because of that, they're selling themselves short because this yeah. is what I mean. I think yeah. that it's not up to, in one sense, I would, this is just a, a side note. It may not be up to us to determine if we're ripping them off or not in this, this capacity. I might not have very many skills, let's say, in a certain area, but I'm one step ahead of the person who's buying my services. Mm-hmm. So I might not necessarily be that experienced at all. I mean, I might be like one of the worst in my class, but I'm definitely better than the person who's asking me for help. Okay. And so, so on that note, the person is grateful and is willing to pay top right. dollar because I'm able to give them something that for them they were looking for, even though I didn't have that much skills. Somebody and, and, might say, as okay. they say, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? Kind, kind of the idea that and, if, and, if, and so, yeah. and that can absolutely true. If if you're once again, it's what is reality? Can you really help this person? Can you know? Actually, I, I think that really is a great question because, like, a lot of people will hesitate to get out there and. I think a question you can keep coming back to is what's the truth? Can I, can I really help these people? Can I help this person? And and if I would add something to that, I would yeah. say, instead of, can I help them? I would say, can this service or product that I am providing them Whatever it is. give the, uh, meet the need that they're going after or they're desperate for, because that's mm-hmm. how you define value, right? A person has a need, you're able to meet that need. And then you can add many different things to that need, whether you make it uh, easier to get, cheaper to get, more long-lasting experience that increases the value over time. Because value is is uh, perceived, right? It's pretty much always perceived. Sometimes people hire you, not necessarily because of your skills, just because they need a friend to talk to. And they will, you know, <laughs> your skills might not even be that great, but they value the relationship so much so of having someone there. And I remember as working as a business consulting, that was one of the values that I provided. I was always a really great companion or partner for them in their businesses. And they felt like they were all alone. So that added a substantial amount more value to what I was offering. Even though I wasn't necessarily in a certain area, uh, maybe a specialist in the specific area that they were in. You know, I mean, I had a lot of other specialties, but that was one thing that they valued greatly in that. So I was just saying that, I mean, I think multiple ways of getting that confidence so that you can price more or see the value you have to offer. One of them is your experience and credibility, mm-hmm. right? Your experience, your training, your credibility. That, that experience is one. Training is another. Number two, which I think might be a little bit more valuable personally, is because value is perceived. 
Yeah. That you can convince the person that you can give them multiple levels of value, what you have to offer, even though you may not necessarily be the most skilled, right? And I think the third way is that if you, what you have to provide them really will, number one, meet their need exactly as they want it met. Yeah, their, their needs or their wants. Their, their exactly, needs and wants. And it'll do it at excess, like they were like, you know, what is it? Um, you over deliver? Yep, yep, yep. Like you yep. provide value yep. in multiple yep. different ways. What they pay is exactly by, by, by a high factor. Yep. But if you're the one selling it and you're the one providing it, if you can be convinced, because I think what we do is that we don't necessarily value all three of those things at the same level. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we value the experience and credibility a whole lot higher than just my ability to convince them and my ability to meet their need, right? Someone would say, well, morally, it should be that you're meeting their need. I wouldn't necessarily say that from my perspective. In my opinion, just my ability to convince them that it's meeting their need, it may be a substantial amount higher. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people say, well, that's not morally right. People have their different morals for that. Because I think sometimes, have you ever done this where the person had no idea, you educated them and then you showed them how you can meet, you know, like they didn't even know they had a need until you showed them mm-hmm. because they thought, oh, they were just looking for this. And you showed them, hey, you know what? These four other things are probably important too. And they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that. Thank you for sharing that. And then you show, oh, let me tell you, by the way, you know, I can probably help you get all four of those meet, the needs met or those four things uh, met. So sometimes the ability to 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 inspire somebody or or to get them to believe that there's value is just as valuable as meeting their need. And I think if people were to more um, increase the value of the perceived value, as well as the value of that, they're able to meet needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, one more thing I was going to add to that is that ability to meet needs, but not only to meet needs, but meet the needs of needs. Like, you know what I'm talking about that after, especially in the coaching business, after you meet there, you give them a great breakthrough. That breakthrough is going to lead to other breakthroughs. That breakthrough is going to lead to their marriage getting better, their business getting better. And, and all the implications of that value, I sometimes don't think we we kind of go there and see that level of value. So sometimes we discount it because we only think we're helping them feel better in the moment. Instead of, oh my gosh, I'm changing your entire generation. Right, for sure. Right? And I'm only not changing your, your health. I'm changing your finances. I'm changing your marriage. I'm changing every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. then you know how we would always say, you know, what would you pay for that? Yeah, it's invaluable. Yeah. And I think sometimes because we don't see those three at the same level, we tend to discount and we don't not feel like we have enough value. So when we're selling it, we're selling ourselves short. I don't know if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And that's been my experience when I was doing uh, consulting for business people. Mm-hmm. But can I ask you a question that kind of well, seg- me, segues? Because okay, yeah, okay, yeah. you've really been on a roll, Will. Uh, so let me, what you're getting me to think is this, is that like, for example, in the coaching business, although I think this could apply elsewhere, when you're selecting a niche, rather than just saying, okay, so what's a passion that I have and who do I want to serve and what's what's the market need, is to ask yourself with what I can provide, the skills or product or whatever it is, who's going to value the this the most in terms of monetary value? Excellent question. And then go after them. That's an excellent question. I think because, we, we I think we go yeah. after the wrong people too often and we spend our wheels yeah. begging these people for our services, right. discounting right. them because they don't right. value it 
But I think I think it's great what you just said, because if you can start there and build an entire organization or business from that. Yeah. Yeah. Then you'd have an amazing business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's the issue. I think sometimes we make that. So, because if for some people, man, even if they need something, it's like they're not used to investing in themselves. Right. And they they're they're barely scraping up by to make ends meet. Right. Meet versus somebody else who, you know, they're making a million dollars a year, and if you can help them make help them make a change, yeah. that's increase it to two million yeah. or something like that, then that's worth a ton. Or just to give them more peace of mind, right. you know, it's worth a ton. No, I, th- I think if we were to put a process together of the things that we're talking about, uh, mm-hmm. like I would say it's something like this. And this is incredibly valuable because value by far is the biggest thing that leads to, um, um, what do you say, uh, getting paid. Let's say that's the basic way, right? If you want to make money, you got to create value, got to provide value for the world. Right. Remember that 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 universal uh, success formula or business formula or financial formula yeah. that value equals a need. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what is it? Uh, um, is it? No, no, no. Money. Money equals that you can provide value. Uh, there's a desperate need and you can provide value and you need to offer it to them. And that equals money. OK. Mm-hmm. Right. Meaning that there's got to be a need first. Right. And once there's a need. And then you provide yeah, value, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you provide value by meeting that need effectively. And then of course, different ways. And then you make sure you offer it to them because if you can keep it to you, you keep it to yourself and don't offer it until you'll never make money. Then you make a, make a lot of money. And then of course, those things are malleable or you can influence those, right? Like if the need is a scarce need that even, I mean, or a desperate need or a global need. Right. And the value that you're providing is scarce, meaning that no one else is doing it. Right. Right. You have the competitive advantage. All of a sudden, the value goes way up. And then if the offer is an irresistible offer. Yeah. Then why wouldn't they? Then you know how much that just increases 10, 100, 1,000 times the amount of money you're making. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So, so um, yeah, that's the kind of the universal uh, value formula. I mean, that's how commerce operates in the world. Right. So if we were to create a process from what we're talking about, because it really is about selling or offering these great products, services that we have to the world and making money from it. I think number one is you've got to believe that what you have to offer is valuable, right? And you've got to either you could research it or understand it or see how. And the simplest way to do that is what you just said. First, identify a big need that's out there. Then, How do you know that it's valuable? Right. And, and then you you actually either go out there and test it or, you know, you find something that will meet that need. You test it. You see the 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 that it's meeting the need because that's the definition of a value is that you can meet a need. Right. And once you realize that the value that you offer and how much of a need it can offer, it can it can provide. Then you go after those clients who specifically have that need, like you, you really only go after those people. And that would streamline. I mean, that would bypass 80% of all the sales you had to do. You know, my, my, my sales ratio for a long time was almost 90, was 97%. My sales ratio. It dropped down to about 90% when I, when I started doing like corporate clients. Well, 97%, that suggests to me you should raise your prices. <laughs> and, and I did, which is awesome. And, and yeah. no, and I tell you, the reason that was so high was number one, I That's knew. Amazing. 
I had a lot of value for the clients that I was I was servicing. You know, I was a business consultant. I knew exactly what their businesses needed, and I could give exactly what they needed. And number two, I would only go after those clients that I knew had a need, you know, and had the ability to pay. Right? Those are the, that were desperate need had desperate need and could pay it. And so, of course, it was easy for me to convince them that I could meet their 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 needs. And so, my sales would always. I mean, ninety seven percent of people who sit in front of me, I would I would sell. Now, what I started doing after that was I realized, wow, if it's that easy to sell them, then let me get a bunch of them in a room. So I try to get people who were my ideal clients in that room, mm-hmm. right? Of course, that was the difference between price clients and value clients, right? People who would value what you have to offer and people who just care about the price. So of course, I cut out all the price clients from my yeah. my pursuit. Yeah, that, that is a great distinction. Price clients versus value clients. And price clients are clients who only value things based on the price. They don't really care what you have to offer. I don't care if you're giving them bells or whistles. They just want the price, the best price possible. Value clients are the ones who really are looking for whether what you have to offer will meet their needs. And they value greatly what you have to offer and product or service you have to offer. So price customers are, you know, McDonald's, Walmart, value is Nordstrom's. So once I made that, that decision, I started coming up with that process. And I realized from talking to you about it, number one, identify a big need that's out there. Number two is find a product or service that will meet that need and test it. Like make sure that it does meet the need and meets it well. And of course, the best test is cold hard cash. I mean, people will pay you for it and then they'll give you great reviews for what you have to offer. Number three, after you notice that it's meeting the need, then be convinced or convince yourself of the value that it offers other people or that provides other people. Like I would probably sit down and say, okay, what the what is the value that this is providing? Not just the immediate value, but the value of the value, the implications of the value, what other areas, what other needs is it meeting, what other things is it providing? Because that in your mind starts, makes you realize, wow, I'm really providing a lot of value for these people. And so when you do, it's a lot easier to sell it because you know you're providing. And of course, the last one is only sell to the people who need what you have to offer. As basic as that sounds. And would truly value what you have to offer, have the money to pay for it. Oh, yeah. Only sell to the value clients. <laughs> yes. To the value clients that need what you have to offer and have enough money to pay for it and more. Yeah. That yeah. right there would streamline people's sales and bypass a lot of the bumps and the hiccups and stuff and make really easy for people to sell. That That right there would make selling as easy as breathing, in my opinion. So to kind of review that, that process, this formula for business is identify a big need, Mm -hmm. find a product or service or create, create it. Yeah. That, you know, can meet that need. Yes. Test it. Make sure it does. Right. Test that it does. Test three is, is tested. Step four is the marketing. So what that is, is explain why this meets the need and the value of it. And why this is a great offer, and, and, and can also I, what the implications are exactly, like, and for yourself is, and for yeah. them, right? Like, like in other words, that convince yourself, help yourself, you convince to, yourself, right? Okay, right. Like I tell you, when I finally did that, and I realized, oh my gosh, yeah. I am. When I was doing the uh, the uh, business coaching, I'm not, wow, I'm not just helping them build their business. I'm also providing them some 
security for their families. I'm helping them build their business one day they can sell it, making them millionaires. I am providing them confidence. So when they make decisions, they feel like they really are making the right decision. I'm helping to make the best decisions and bypass all the mistakes that other people are making. I'm helping remove that fear, anxiety they have, they have, you know, going to sleep at night, not knowing whether they're, you know, leading their business the right way. Oh my gosh, when I started listing those things, I was like, oh, they desperately need me. Yeah. I'm going to charge this much and more. Yeah. And if they balk, they're not my client. They're not my ideal client. Right. Well, Alex Hormozzi says sales is a transfer of conviction. Wow. So you first have to have the conviction and then you can transfer it. That makes sense. That's a good, that's a good point. So really it's about having conviction and then sharing your conviction. And I think people, when they have a hesitancy to sell, they have, they lack conviction Mm -hmm. on the value that they have to offer for the world or for specifically this niche of people, this niche of people. Yeah. And then, of course, the last part of that process then is only go after those people who will value what you have to offer and have the money to pay for it. Yeah. So because, simple. Yeah. Because if you're spending all your time trying to sell it to the wrong people, you're going to start having you're going to start begging them to buy your service and discounting and doing all those things. And, and the environment is going to make you think that what you have to offer is not valuable. Yeah. So I think those are the kind of like. And 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 one of the simpler ways to get into that state to be that person is see somebody who's already operating in that state, like some persona, like a doctor, mm-hmm. and then go in there with that, using that metaphor to kind of like help you auto- automatically start feeling that authority that you carry mm-hmm. and watch people start chasing well, you well, down. Into that, And I love how you carried it further where you said, what would a doctor do? Uh, what does what does a doctor do? Well, a doctor doesn't chase people. And so I'm not going to chase people. Yeah. And then it, if that strikes something in you, some fear, well, then that's that scarce, that's scarcity mentality. Scarcity mentality. And that scarcity mentality is a lack, it's funny, it's a conviction in the wrong direction. It's a lack of conviction of the uh, abundance that's out there and your access to it. That's what a scarcity mentality is pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, mm-hmm. It's your conviction that there is not abundance out there and you have no access to it. That, that's, you know, you have the wrong conviction. Now it's getting the, the, yeah, it's the, the opposite the, conviction. Yeah. The objective conviction is that there is an abundance amount of resources out there and an abundance of access to it. That is re- that's reality. That is only becoming more and more and more true. Yeah. And so we need to grow and in our conviction of that. Our brains are hardwired actually for scarcity and in, for, for, for an environment yeah. of scarcity, yeah. but more and more with technology. Mm-hmm. It's just not the reality that we live in anymore. So, so our brains are hardwired for an environment that we're not in anymore because they were hard hardwired for a a scarcity, lack of resources environment where only so many people had food. If our tribe doesn't get uh, if their their tribe gets food, then ours doesn't. If they kill the mammoth, then we don't eat it. That's a great point. So right? it it takes training so it, then to have an abundance yeah. mentality. Yeah, right. And I think yeah. I think can I can I throw one more yeah. thing out there? And I want to segue into this other thing I have a question about because this is a perfect application of this. We use the metaphor to help us have a, a persona that we can get into. Mm-hmm. And by getting into that persona, it makes it easier for us to believe and feel what we're trying to become, right? Mm-hmm. 
it, the same thing. Like, what's a good metaphor of an individual or a, a position of a person where they have a abundance mentality that they 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 know have deep convictions about how much abundance is out there, as well as their access to it. Yeah. What's a a a, um, a current? Oh, what, what's it? What's a model for that? A model for that. Yeah. So you know, by the way, I think. Now th- this is this is not necessarily uh, a, a model to adopt, but a guy who really does live this and teaches it is Peter Diamandis, and oh, yeah. yeah, he is coming out with a new book on exponential organizations. Oh, nice! Yeah, nice. which is about leveraging the ex- extremely accelerating rate of change right. that we're experiencing right now, especially as. AI is just yeah. taking the storm and he is going to have a, a three hour webinar tomorrow that I'm going to be checking out. So Ooh, please send so me the information podcast. You may be able to find that recording. I don't know how that's going to work, but you may be able to find that recording. So it's on exponential organizations. And this is a three hour webinar he's having tomorrow to describe that and promote the book. So. No, that's but, great. That's that, that's really that, good. That, that, that is a source for abundance mindset for sure. That's a that's a great like finding somebody who actually is living that way and then modeling them. Like imagine yourself as okay, I'm this person. Right. Um, is there any type of because you know before we mentioned doctor, almost like a category or a profession, right. any type of profession that's naturally abundant in their mentality or or model not necessarily individual because individual is great. I, I'm trying to find ones that are more established because then it's. It's a more I'm more um open to absorbing it because I'm used to it, right? I'm used to a doctor. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I can oh let me think like a doctor. Uh versus thinking like an individual. So and that one's more easy for me to kind of assimilate internally. Yeah. Is there anything like that of a I've got something that's coming to my mind and I I do not know that this is gonna be the best example, but uh-huh. it might be. And again, this comes from our environment. I'm thinking like People in Fiji or, you know, maybe like native Hawaiians. Oh, yeah. They, they just grow up in this environment where the environment is easy. Yeah. And, you know, there's wow. plenty of food. you got the coconut trees, right, you know. Right. And, and it's not this doggy dog mentality of like, oh, I'm, I'm scared that other people are going to have more than me, which right. would actually that kind of mentality could have made sense. In an environment like a like say a cold climate, which didn't have a lot of say agricultural right. resources, and hundreds of years ago when we didn't have the technology that we have today, but like I'm thinking like the people in Fiji, they're just happy and they're just like they don't have this like attitude of oh if you get something then then that means there's less for me. It's just like hey, it's the world's a happy place. That's so, actually pretty good. Wow, that's throwing that's, something. That's actually an interesting one. You know, I was thinking children. If you have, you know, live, if you grew up with great parents and that, that's why from the spiritual standpoint, like yeah. God being the parent, mm-hmm. if you take, and it's, it's in the Bible too, that, you know, God wants us to be like children. Children tend to feel like there's abundance. Like they just feel like they, they have so much. One, they don't necessarily desire much. They just kind of, whatever is in front of them, they'll, they'll, they'll enjoy and have, and they feel incredibly secure because they believe totally that their parent is going to provide for them. Yeah, that one just yeah, crossed my mind too. What they can do is they can have 
scarcity mentality with like fairness with brother and sister. Ah, that's like, right. Hey, how come they're getting that? And I want this. Right, right, right. Not if your parent but, bought you two of them, you know, then, then you just, <laughs> which parents <laughs> rarely do. Right. Well, and see that, that is kind of, that that's expecting that kind of more scarcity slash fairness mentality right, right. and addressing it. But like, you're right that, that kids, mom and dad might be worried like, oh my gosh, what if the factory closes? What are we going to do? But the kids aren't worried about that. At all. And, they are and not I, at all. What kids have is an myself as a person, I really admire this about kids and I've always wanted to adopt this. And I, I think like one thing I'm, I'm happy with, I'm proud of is kind of a a childlike mentality where I love, love, love how kids aren't bored with life the way that so many adults are. Right. Right. They can, they, the, like the littlest things they find such joy and fascination in like, Oh, look at this snail. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. You know? Yeah, and, I appreciate that because then they oh, they're more grateful for life. They're yeah, more that's and, gratitude, and that gratitude automatically leads to a conviction of abundance because you feel like there's so much in your life, and well, they're very explore, right? Exactly, and they're more present as well. So they tend to appreciate yeah. everything that's in front of them. Everything is something new. It's it's uh, and they have this childlike wonder for their world. That would be a really great metaphor to take on. Yeah. And so, you know, how can I be like a child today or in my 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 way that I see my life? And and you know what, too? Kids' willingness to create and be creative. To create, yeah, good one. Well, one thing, I, I'll tell you what, Will. One thing I've shared a lot, because I see this so often, is so often with adults, when we go to do something, we want to do something in our lives. The very first thing we do is we create obstacles. Yes. Yep. In our minds, even in, in our minds. minds. Yeah. Yep. It's very true. Kids, kids do not do that. Like with an adult, when you say like, well, you know what? So I, I want to write a book. Oh, but it's going to be so much work. And then you think, yeah, you know, I'm not that great of a writer. Okay. You know what? Maybe I should take a, a, a course at the college. And then, oh, so what I just did is I just put... Two obstacles in my path. Number one, I don't have enough time. Number two, I don't have the skill. So let me do these things first, right? Wow. Whereas like a kid, when they want something, it's just like, oh, you know, it'd be so much fun to do this. Let me like just take crayons and just start creating it. Or like you give a kid a bunch of Legos and they're not going to be like, well, at first I got to get a certificate in Lego making. They're just going to be like, I want to build Such something. A great point. I read a book recently that talked about exactly what you just said. The book yeah. called The Culture Code. Hmm. And do you remember this? I don't know if you remember reading this. It's a great book because in the first I've heard about it and read that book. The first chapter talks about a study, a case study that they did that they got a, a group of lawyers. I think they had a group of um project managers or, or or maybe some some startup guys and a group of children and they all gave them the same project to do and the ones that were able to do it i, I believe the fastest and the best guess who they were kids were huh? the kids that's so fast it's a phenomenal story I, i've actually got to reread that case study but even amongst the smartest people, for one, re- two multiple reasons. But one of them was the one you mentioned. They the kids weren't talking about the obstacles in front of them. They were just working together, looking at and, and exploring the new things and new things just that were going trying. directly for it. Exactly, and approaching all the new possibilities and opportunities. And they they would work on uh, with each other. 
versus the older, uh, uh, more experienced, more trained individuals would have a substantial amount of obstacles, would create obstacles with one another, weren't very good at working together, right? And because of it, they they delayed, they they had harder times, they they had a dip, more difficult time even enjoying the experience, and the kids enjoyed the entire experience. Yeah, and they they were the ones who beat everyone else out. Yeah, doesn't that make sense? I'm thinking like, oh, were you about to say something? Is like no, no, and I was so so that would be actually a great persona to take on as a kid, as a kid, like just even just excited to create something. Exactly that childlike mind, that childlike wonder, that creativity, that spirit of just opportunity, possibility, that that um attitude of hope you know it's just see how different it is from adults and their their fears and their their and you know some one thing about children too they have less fear Mm -hmm. right and they actually have very little certainty but they don't necessarily care that much the only certainty they have is that their life is stable because their parents are taking care of them everything else is going good they're just focused and they're very present base and they really feel like their parents are taking care of them they right right right. basically they're they're going to be okay you know yeah i'm thinking like richard branson Uh, actually i think a lot of billionaires that billionaire mentality of of just hey things are possible richard branson certainly embodies that where he has this attitude of huh this would be cool to do. I want to do this. Or, you know, this is a need that the world has that I see. Let's figure out who can do this. And let's yeah. just let's just get it started and get it going. Let's make that's it a, happen. That's a great attitude. And just going out there and trying it. Yeah. Just right. to see what would happen. Screw it. Let's do it. So that being said, can I segue into this other? Yeah. Ask me the question. Yeah. Question I had. Because I really like how uh, taking on a metaphor makes it easier for you to make the transformation into this mindset that helps you feel better and allows you to do this thing. You know, you work with metaphors before. I had an experience recently. Uh, I have been in the past couple of days, probably a week or so, I've been really inundated with small little annoying things that I had to do, like ad- administrative things that I've had to uh, have to do. Yeah. Not pleasant, but things I have to do. And, and of course, I don't necessarily want to do them. So I'll procrastinate on them until I have to do them. And then I I am dreading and and having to get through these things. I'll get them done, but it's not pleasant at all. The other day I had to do a speech at church. You know, I did preach, I had to speak about uh, leveling up, you know, people leveling up their lives. And I use the analogy of that life is a video game. Mm -hmm. In a video game, the way you level up is that the first thing you do is that you grind, meaning that you do these small little side mundane side quests in order to build up experience points so that you can level up enough to fight the boss, right? Right. Right. It was three points. It was really great. I mean, one was that one that you got to learn how to grind. Number two is that you have to face the boss, you know, and, and, you know, you're looking forward to facing the boss. That's how we sort of need to attack these challenges that we face in our life. And let's just go at it with a relish with, oh my gosh, I can't wait to face this challenge. And the third one was, Hey, you got three lives. You lose them. Just restart the game. And it's like, yeah. we do that all the time for the game. Might as well do that in life. Yeah. It was great. A great, great speech. It was really good. And it was uh-huh. really, I, I, I did that from a time that I was researching it for myself. And I saw how it convinced me and helped me to see life in a different way. That metaphor of video games. After I did the speech, 
The next day, I had a bunch of mundane things to do, but for some reason, I was really excited about doing these mundane things. Because in my in my heart, in my mindset, I'm like, oh, this is grinding. This is part of me getting those experience points. And all of a sudden, right, I started feeling really motivated about doing these things. Oh, that's so awesome, Will. What blew me away was that for years, I've always had problems doing these mundane admin things. But that one metaphor yeah. changed me so quickly in a very short period of time that now my entire feelings about these these things completely changed to one of actually I'm motivated to do them. And so when like when you think about one of these mundane things, admin things now. Yeah. Now, oh my gosh, this is me grinding. Okay, good. I can do these things. I'm looking forward to it. Uh So what I realized is that it was a metaphor that allowed the transformation. One small metaphor allowed transformation that I've been, something I've been working on for years. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, wow, how can we now turn that into a process so that we can immediately use metaphors to- As a process? Right. To change ourselves quickly- to do yeah. something that we know we need to do. And like we talked about how to change it, the use the doctor metaphor for selling. Right. Or for for your 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 business, right? And carrying that. How can we turn that into a practical sort of uh, uh technique, right? To be able to quickly transform ourselves and feel differently so we can take you know new challenges on. So Boy, now that's that's really good. So I things come to mind. You know yeah. what I'm thinking is a little bit of a parallel to what you just described. I was just talking with a client today who was saying that they were having trouble doing these consistent calls. And what was hold what it turned out was holding them back was they'd have had a couple of things not go the way that they wanted. And so they felt bad. And then that, you know, then you have negative associations to it. It's harder to get back into it. Right. And you right. start questioning yourself. Right. So what we did is we looked at it. We said, Cause he was saying, you know, man, if I could just get a number of wins in, it'd be like, this just shot, man. I'd, I'd be really after it. I said, okay, so let's redefine what wins means. What is wins? Mm-hmm. And so right now wins are making the sale. Gotcha. So said, what if instead you're the win is the consistency. Consistency mm-hmm. is the win. And he's like, that's really what changed things for him that he's like, okay, now that works. Every time I'm consistent on this, then that's a win. And that's a shot in the arm that's going to keep me going. That's great because now it's creating a great environment for him to get the most wins by just by changing the definition of what the win would be. Just to change the definition of the win so that he still gets to feel the win. Right. And the the win is at his back, as we can say. (laughs) That's that's funny. Yeah. So, so, so I like that because yeah. you, 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 in one sense, you can consider that a metaphor, right? The consistency is a win. Mm. And that became sort of the new paradigm, like the new, new way of thinking that now he applied it to his life and now he can live it differently. Yeah. So, so can I, can I say yeah, something yeah, about that? Yeah. This is what I think happened to me, which I think ha- just is the same thing that happened to your um, client. Yeah. And it, it's a two-parter, you know, the hierarchy of values. Yeah. Hierarchy of values is that list of priorities that you have in your life of what's important to you, right? And right. what's higher on the list is generally a lot more important than things that are lower on the list, right? Right. Like, is success more important than security or security it's, success versus right. love and all that? Versus yep. family versus et cetera, right? Whatever is higher will take precedence. You're willing to sacrifice other things for those because they have a substantially 
um, greater uh, feeling of importance to you, right? Right. So I, I just realized, wow, I took something that was mundane, much, much lower on that list. Yeah. And I took a metaphor for something that was high on that list and I applied it to something that was low on that list. And, and what was the value through the, yeah. you've met a value that you were meeting through video games, right? It, Which is fun and joy, right? That's a huge value for me. Yeah. I took a metaphor from that video game, something that I really enjoy. And I applied yeah. it to something lower on the list responsibilities that I need to take care of. And once those two sort of, because they were so similar, they, they kind of like linked together. All of a sudden, all that motivation I had from the higher value went to the lower value. Yeah. And I was able to quickly change it just by linking it to a higher, something that was higher on that values list. Right. Something I truly did enjoy. That And you did that. You linked it through a metaphor. Because the metaphor. metaphor. Exactly. Exactly. So So I was was saying the similar thing. Like your client, it sounds like he did something similar. Yeah. Like when he changed winning, not just in actually getting the thing. But consistency was something that, okay, it was kind of mundane. Winning was something that was important to him. Right. And you took the win from the actual, you know, possible like outcome and you matched it to something that was, you know, uh, um, like the consistency to it that was more useful. Okay. And, and also is what we're doing is we're matching it to something that he has control over. Right. That he has control he over. He exactly. doesn't have control over the other the person. Outcome. No. Right. But he does have control over what he does. He has control over the consistency. Right. Right. And the consistency can lead to more opportunities exactly which is brilliant by the way that was that was really great so yeah so so what do you think about that about taking yeah i like like yeah just practically okay so i'm having a heart like what's something that's difficult uh i have a hard time i have a hard hard conversation i need to have let's say what you know what's coming to my mind is the formula could be you think of a situation that's giving you difficulty, right. whether it's feeling bad, you're feeling bad in that situation, or you're behaving in a way that you don't want to in that situation. Right, right, right. And then you ask yourself, what are the feelings? What is your attitude about that? Mm-hmm. And then you ask yourself, if if you could just like go hog wild and just have like a com- – completely different attitude and feelings. Like, how would you like to be about that? Mm. Right. So like in, in terms of the sales example, it'd be like, so I'm making sales. How do I feel when I'm making sales? I feel sleazy. I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel like this person is going to judge me for being shallow and like I'm using people. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. That's not going to be conducive to making a lot of sales <laughs> and it doesn't feel good. Right. Right. And it doesn't serve the world. So how would you like to feel in, in go extreme on it? Right. Cause I think a lot of times what people will say is not the way that I'm feeling. So a lot of times if you ask that question, how would you like to feel? People will say, well, not so shut down. Right. right, right not right. so, not so guilty. Now that's not what we're looking for because right. that's just like, that's a little bit of an increment, but right. we're looking for something. How do you really want to feel? I want to feel so I want to feel excited about it, or I want to feel like what would be a model, like an attitude that would be the opposite of that? Well, if rather than me being the seller, I felt like I was the buyer. Okay, that's flipping. Okay, mm. so what circumstance 
is there a person who just naturally kind of has that attitude? And then that could lead you to the metaphor, right? Right, right, right. Good one, good one. An additional question that I think can yeah. might trigger that linking or that 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 boost of motivation. Yeah. Might be like what is something that's most what is most important to you? Like like what in your your values list? Yeah, what's or right, or do it by values, like you said. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like cause you, I mean, you want to change the world. I know you, Mike, you want to change the world, right? You want to make an impact for the world. Like, what is something that you feel like is most important that you stand for most? Mm-hmm. Right. And then using that is that as a okay, then how can you what's a metaphor that's a good example of that that you're selling? would kind of link to I, I don't know how to answer that ask that question what's a good example of someone who's changing the world through this action of selling yeah right yeah right right or what would it be like to have that attitude in this situation in this situation now to answer that that's going to require that people know uh, their highest value or a really high value in their life right which not everybody does know but if you want to know then you could just ask your so you could just ask yourself this, what's most important to you in life? Yeah, what's most important to you in life? Yeah. What's most important to you in life? You know, a question that I've been asking a lot of people, and I love this question, so simple, but I think it gets to the root of things so quickly, is what do you want more than anything? Yeah. And so, so did it work for you? Like even us talking about it, like that you felt yeah. selling was sleazy now you think about the the your best self. What do you want to see yourself yeah, as yeah, the yeah, buyer? Yeah. yeah. And well, now, now I'm I'm more like because I've even taught people about this doctor metaphor, yeah. but but I really haven't taken it to the degree that you have in the way that you described it. And I'm just like, rather than just talk about it and have it like be a desire, I really want to take it on. And I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna do, just just like you did. It's like not chasing people. And this is the way things are. And then who really are those people that can afford this? And they can n- not only afford it, but they, they, it's obvious, it's a no brainer that this is a significant return on investment to them. That's great. And, and then just, just have the doctor's attitude of, well, let's look at this and let, let's diagnose what's really going on. And then is it all right if I make a suggestion? So yeah. here's recommend yeah can i can i ask you about the what's your most important um concept or, or something you stand for like what, what are, like what's the question you asked like what what's, is the most important thing in your life i think it was well no the, the well the question i i, I well I, I asked yeah what's most important to you in life right that, that is that is a values question about what, life. what would you say and for that, yourself like the, yeah. And the other the other question is is what do you want more than anything? What do you I want think, more than anything? That's what it is. Can, can, do, do you mind trying that one? Like what do you want more than anything and seeing how it could link it okay. to Okay. What do yeah. you want more than anything? I want to make a positive difference. That's what I want to do. I, that's what I want more than anything. Is to know that I'm making a positive difference. I'm making as big a positive difference as I can. Can I can I if I can ask this question? How are you making the biggest positive impact that you can by persuading these people to take on your program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's a perfect alignment, actually. Yeah, if it if it really is right for them, and they are a person who's going to do something with it and let themselves be molded by new ideas, and they're 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 looking for that, right? 
they and they they want to make changes. They're hungry for that. Mm. And they're open-minded to say, you know what? The way that I see things is not necessarily the best way. So let me, I, I'm, I'm willing to be open-minded and try some stuff on. Then, man, a person like that, and they're willing to do the work, they will have enormous benefit in their life. And how does it feel selling to that person or, or to, yeah. to? Fantastic. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah, yeah. Did, did that change? Like, did that, that all of a sudden, like, motivate you more? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know what too recently I had this like realization because I've I've made a couple of sales to people where it's just been very 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 easy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Okay, that's that was so easy." And I didn't there, there was no struggle. There was no like, well, I got to talk to my spouse and, you know, what about this? Or can we do this? It was just like, you know, it's just here. Okay. So here's what you want. Here's what we can do. Here's what I recommend. Here's the price. Okay. Let's do it. All yeah. right. Great. You got your credit yeah. card. Yeah. Let's do it. And it was just that. So realizing that it just makes me aware that is what i want to go for <laughs> yeah it makes sense it makes well, no it, it makes sense yeah. that's like a perfect fit yeah. hand in glove yeah uh, you have this incredible value you want to be able to change the world and change help people change for their bet for their better there are people out there who are desperate and looking for that and they're they're willing to pay whatever they have to because they see the value in it yeah well and, and you know what too it makes me realize that what really works for me in terms of making easy and profitable sales. And then, you know what, too? I mean, just just like doctors can do Doctors Without Borders. Right, and right. And they can do charity on the side and that, you know, that that's great, but then they still yeah. will make a lot of money. And it's it's not, there's no guilt about it because they're providing value to the world and they're saving lives. And exactly. It, right? So like, to me, what I realize is that it is people who have money so that it's not a struggle of like, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to do this? And then number two, that they can justify it to themselves easily because there's this clear tie between an improvement in performance and an improve, improvement in performance, improvement in their mindset and the outcome in terms of their of their profits, of their income. Exactly. You know, those kind of people, they're like, well, yeah, I'm going to pay you this amount. And then on a very conservative basis, this will return tenfold. I mean. It's well, a no brainer. Right. Right. Even think yeah. about let's let's get started. Right? Yeah, and, th- and those clients, yeah. they see that and they see that kind of value and they will go after it because they know it. Like, and it's interesting, you know, the Life Force book. Yeah, um, I'm convinced. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go check out. And I made an appointment with the people at that Fountain Life, that place that um, oh, wow. yeah, to get a full diagnostic of my body, because I'm looking for that. I'm actually why do you think I'm reading the book? I am looking for value in this area and they have the value and I'm willing to spend the price tag because sure. it's worth it. Sure, it is. It's like the yeah. woman doesn't even have to convince me. I chase them. I'm looking for them because I want the service. Yeah. Right. And I'm willing to pay. It's not even, you know, they have to sell me. Yeah. Well, and also, see, this gets back to it. What you really want, I believe, is to identify this big need and then provide something that no one else is doing. And it's so great that 
ideally your marketing doesn't even really matter. Yeah. You know, you look at chat GPT. That thing exploded in five days. They had a million people in what, 30 days? They had a hundred million, something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Something something completely crazy, whereas it took Facebook like three years to do that. And Facebook had, I mean, was was the poster child for exponential growth at one point, right? So, but how did they do it? Did they, you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, what are we going to name our company? What are we going to name our product? Were they like chat GPT? Oh my gosh. Well, with a name like that, <laughs> you know, I mean, right. who would want to do it, right? Or they're like heavy duty marketing. You can't turn the TV on without Dozens of ads of chat GPT <laughs> and they're really all in your face, right? And you get all these flyers. They're so in your face with marketing. The marketing is so good. There's no marketing. Right, right. It's just that people try it and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And then you and I have a conversation. It's like, hey, try this out. And you're like, oh, wow. And then you tell everybody. Yeah, yeah. So this is really what you want is something that really is a blue ocean and something that really is demonstrably different yeah. and better. Yeah, no, no, and it's true, and and the people see yeah. and know that it's better. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one the one extra benefit that it created was that it was a blue ocean type of of uh, product. It really was like it really was no competition for it before it came out. For sure, of course. So of course it led the way, and that automatically you know gave it a substantial amount of a, a head start and momentum. No doubt. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Then we technically could create that with our own industries, right? We have to provide something that other people aren't providing in a specific because we repurposed it in such a way that people have never seen it for that that way. That's just well, something to consider. And, and and on a different scale, but actually quite a big scale, but not like ChatGPT. But that's what you did with your binoculars. Yeah, pretty much. I gave them something that no one else seen, and I had exclusive rights that's to sell these things. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. What made it easy then? Then exactly. you didn't have to be aggressive and knock on bird watchers' doors. Exactly. It really was. And you know, you know you got that blue ocean because it really just rides itself. You're hardly working. You're hardly doing anything. And it's just kind of the momentum is just rising. And that's yeah. how you know it's a blue ocean idea that you got you have. That's one of the signs that it is. And that's why you want to test a bunch of stuff so that when you find that thing, you can ride that way. Exactly. So can I ask one more question hey, no on the way. subject of <laughs> metaphors? Metaphors has been blowing my mind these past couple of days because oh, yeah. of that experience that I had. And it, it was a good fit for this conversation because we were talking about selling and there's a great metaphor yeah. to help us change our, yeah. our mind in selling. Right. My, my admin issue, right? Your client's issue. Um, there, there is one other thing that uh, that hierarchy of values idea that we talked about. We've talked about this in the past. Uh, it's you, do you remember it, the the values elicitation? Yeah, like the exercise, right? You go, you kind of find out what's most important to you, list it. Yeah, right? and so values elicitation. What that means is you ask questions to get somebody's values, right? On paper, like a list of values. People, if you ask them, hey, what, give me your hierarchy of life values. Most people aren't going to be able to do that, but you can ask a question: What's most important to you in life? Right. And then get a list and then put it in order. And that's values elicitation. Right. And then you put it in the you reorder them in the most priority. And then you have this yeah. ideal list of values that you want right. for your life. OK. Right. Right. And which is great to have because then you can ascri right. ascribe to it. Right. You can, you can you can achieve it and go after it. Helps you make decisions. And it reminds you 
because these values are tied to emotions, right? The emotions that you want to experience. Right. So yeah. with that being said, yeah. is that one time I mentioned to you in the past about these things called instinctual values that sometimes you have these ideal values you want to have, yeah. but then you have these other internal subconscious yeah. values that yeah. you currently feel at the yeah. same time. Like these ideal yeah. values are conscious and these other ones are un- subconscious, right? Right. And sometimes they conflict with each other. Right. For okay. sure. And and I, I came up with this really great question about how to be able to identify your subconscious values. Oh, great, man. And I what think a- what it was, and I'll share it with you real quick. It, it was really, it was really good because when I asked myself the question, it's like, oh my gosh, that just really clarified it very quickly. Okay. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, it's there the it is. question to get unconscious values. The question to get unconscious values. Uh, here it is. Let's see. Hold on. Hold on. It's I got my list. Okay. Hold on. Hierarchy of values. There it is. And they're instinctual mm-hmm. because they're the ones that are sort of running and that really your your feelings are driving. If you can do whatever you want, whatever you wanted, and there were no consequences, no right or wrong, nothing could ever hurt you, and everything that you did was acceptable. What would you spend all your time doing? Wow, that's a great question. Like, like if you could do whatever you want and there were no consequences and it was no right or wrong, meaning whatever, and it was all acceptable. Yeah. And you could just freely do it. What would you do? What would you spend your time doing? That I mean, trust me, it, it is a very scary kind of thing because it really shows you what drives you. Mm-hmm. Like my ideal values are love for God, love for people. I want to grow. Right. I want to do all these things. Yeah, yeah. When I asked that question, it was none of those things were number one. They were <laughs> uh-huh. like down to number nine or 10. Okay. That's a, that's a great question, Will. But it really revealed what was driving me and what's still driving me because those are subconscious, right? Those are the things. Yeah. In there. Of course, yeah. fun and joy were the first ones, right? Yeah. And joy could be like an all bunch of things, pleasure and all these other things, right? That's number one. So I was thinking about this, right? Number two for me was freedom. Okay. And I think number three, what was it? Was instinctual drives? Yeah, the instinctuals, right? Yeah. Number one was just fun and joy, right? And I'm talking joy and pleasure, joy and like just just doing whatever I want. I mean, every way I want it without any consequence whatsoever. Number two was freedom, the freedom to just choose whatever I want to do, do whatever I want to do. Number three was power, the power and ability to do anything. Okay. Yeah. So, and then of course it went down from there and it's interesting, all those other ones, my ideal ones, they were down at the bottom. It was just crazy Wow. because internally I, I do those things because they're right and they're good, but internally I don't really, I don't really want to do those things. Okay. Mm -hmm. I do those things because my, my, I believe in them and I believe that they are important. Okay. But that a lot of times that works against what I, you know, instinctually want. I'm an animal by nature. Okay. So with yeah. that being said, yeah. I was thinking, well, what and, if- and, and we you knew both. We we are animals and we are humans and mm. we're spiritual beings. Exactly, right? And we have all, the this, this is why we have conflicts and this is why we're complicated. Exactly. So so I wanted to ask this was a concept I wanted to ask and also yeah. kind of like talk yeah. about you with real quick. You know how we took when we were trying to see if we can use a metaphor from a higher ideal value and use it for something lower on the list? 
Okay. It gave us motivation, right? Because all of a sudden, the motivation you had for the higher one got attached to the lower one. Yeah. What if you were to take your instinctual value, take a metaphor from there, and then use it on the lower part of your values Ooh. from your ideal list? Then what you're doing is you're aligning the unconscious with the conscious. That's what I'm saying. And I think that's what I did uh, when I did the video game thing. Because my number one value, yeah. ideal value is loving God, loving people. Yeah. Fun right. is like number seven or eight, right? Growth, yeah. effectiveness, right? Fun is down there. But when it comes to internal, instinctual, fun and joy is number one. Mm-hmm. So once I took a metaphor for number one here and I put it toward responsibility, which is absolutely last in my ideal values. So so fun and joy is like, for example, video games. Yeah, video games. I mean, pleasure, fun, I mean, doing stuff that I like, you know, that kind of thing. Right. It's one of those things. Because mm-hmm. I was like, wow, why was this so easily just flow that automatically gave me motivation to do these things I hate to do? I started thinking, wow, maybe it was because it was one of my instinctual number one highest wow. values. Wow. So yeah. that's another way that's- of getting a boost of motivation quickly, taking a metaphor from these instinctual values, mm-hmm. subconscious areas, and tying into something that's mundane that you got to do that you don't want to do. And you will find all of a sudden when those things link because of the metaphor, it, the motivation will flow because it's so high on that instinctual values list. What do you okay, think? So explain again how exactly you did that because what you did is you said, when I'm playing a video game, and and how did you put it? You're, you're, what did you say? You're grinding through or something like that? Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. Like, like, um, with video games, like in order to play video games, you got to grind, and grind means you have to do these mundane tasks, side quests, to build up experience points so you can level up. Okay, got right? you, got you. And I love yeah. leveling up, right? Because you level up, that you get to unlock level the abilities up. and the weapons, yeah. and then you get the to fight the boss, and you level up, right? And leveling up is a, is one thing I really like, like le- like becoming better, right? Yeah. So, so I love that in the game, right? That's enjoyable. I, I, it's exciting. And I said, okay, well, well, life is like a video game because I've got the grind on a daily basis doing practical small things so I can get experience points so I can level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to do this today. Yeah. That's one of the things I got to grind on. That's cool. I got to do this. Oh, let me do that too. I'm grinding. Look at me grinding. I'm, I'm going to get my experience. And then you linked up the admin things to the grind on a video game. Yes. And then all of a sudden, I was so motivated to do these things that for years I hated. Yeah. Okay. My my question is, why does it happen so quick? Such a quick change that it was just things oh, that normally no. took yeah, me that, so that, many that's, years. That's linking. I See, I think what you're talking about is, and this is what I think personal change is, effective personal change is all about, is working with the way your mind actually works. So that's what you're doing, man. That's exactly. And aligning to what's already in there. Finding what's already in there. And and I was just able to identify what was already in there by asking those questions to get those instinctual values, those things that are really running what's going on internally. Yeah. And then I I linked to that. And and it, it really worked in in such an overwhelmingly powerful way because I've been trying to overcome this for years. And so, so, you know, and, and the, the benefit of it too is now I'm taking on challenges too with excitement because they're part of the video game, mo- mo- you know, model, metaphor that are number one in my sort of um, instinctual so, values. Yeah. That is so, so, so cool. That is really cool. Well, I'm thinking like, 
you know, like if there were no consequences, could do anything and all this. I mean, what comes to my mind is sex and power. Yeah. See, naturally, those came to my yeah. mind too. Trust me, they, right? they came out. <laughs> so it's like when I link that up to things I've been hesitating on, uh-huh. then I do feel like this, uh, this drive, like, you know, it's like um, powerful going after right. this. Right, right. And and yeah. maybe you have already it, it, have. It is, it's unleashing that animal drive. Exactly. And then if you already have some ideas of what power looks mm. like. Yeah. Like even some 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 examples or some archetypes or some you know personas, and then you put that onto what you need to do, mm-hmm. then it it, it I, the idea that I believe is that it should flow automatically. The emo, the motivation should flow to that. Do you see what I'm getting at? Like like yeah. like if you mentioned selling, if selling is your power your ability to influence your power how you're able to influence people toward greatness because you have the power to do it that kind of like oh look what i'm doing you know i don't know at least that's what i'm thinking but right but but in other words tying it to something that's instinctual drive versus ideal ideal is great and don't get me wrong it's awesome you know what that's doing that's almost like that's almost like because like with selling it might be the greatest fear is I'm taking advantage of somebody and I don't want to be that guy. And what you're doing is by like having that t- incorporating that animal drive, it's like flipping that. And rather than saying, rather than saying, Oh, you know, I'm fearing being taking advantage of somebody. It's like, man, I have power. I am a powerful, you know, I'm going to make stuff happen. So, you know what? This is going to be sales and I'm going to be powerful here. And it's like, it's flipping that. And it's like, rather than hiding from that shadow self, yeah. it's bringing that shadow yeah. self in all its energy and power. Yeah. For and something like, good yeah. too. Yeah. And for something, well, right. And then you check it and you say, is this really matching my, my highest yes. values that I, of what my best self believes? But then, then you look at that and you say, you know what, let me take the shadow self that I've been hiding from that's been causing all this hesitancy and let's bring it out and say, you know what, man, let's animal, you do your work. You know, it's like, let's use this sex power drive. And it's just like, I'm going to link that up with making sales calls. <laughs> you see what I'm getting at? And doesn't it, and it works for mm. you instead of against yeah. you. Like might as well, you already have it. Might as well use it. Mm-hmm. Now the good thing is you do have the check still there, right? You have your ideal values too to right. check you from doing something right. un, you know, un, un, right. immoral right. or you know, unecological. Kind of like we were talking about before is like looking at it and saying what really is truth and what really is best. Wow. And then if it really is good and if it really is best, man, unleash the demons, but unleash them for for God. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Work it. That's what I'm talking about. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. How does that feel? Like, how does that, that sounds, feel? It sounds kind of crazy, but it makes sense. Yeah. Does it, it feel any sense. different? It really does. Yeah. It really does. Because, I, I mean, you've heard me say this. I really believe that what we want to do is create alignment. Right. And so we identify where we are not aligned. Hmm. And then we create alignment with what our life is all about. And that's, you just gave a tool to do that where we kind of, Combine our highest self with the darkest shadow self, but make it all work together. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. So all Can that energy is flowing question, in one direction. Yeah. So that, say it again? 
Can you say the question again so that people can write this out? And like, I, I want to get this. Yeah, this is how to elicit your instinctual values. You know, we yeah. talked about eliciting your ideal values. Right. These are the ones that are really like driving us subconsciously is you would ask the question, if you could do whatever you wanted and there were no consequences, no right or wrong, nothing could ever hurt you. And everything you did was acceptable, both to yourself, to God and to any other sort of moral codes that you have. What would you spend all your time doing or what would be most important to you? Yeah. Because then it's like, okay, you can do whatever you want. What would you do? (laughs) And it's okay. There's there's no consequence, no bad. You're not doing whatever. No, 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 just do it. What would it be? Well, I know what I'd, I mean, I'd be doing a lot of stuff. But then I realized, wow, that that really is internally what drives me. You can release that energy. Release the energy and check it with your ideal values, right? Make sure, right. Yeah, and then you're working totally together. You're aligned completely within. Exactly. And there's nothing holding you back. 